Welcome to the Kick-Ass Stepmom Podcast. I'm Jamie Scrimger, wife, mom, stepmom, life coach, conversation opener, and BS caller. Seven years ago, I found myself sitting on the bathroom floor with a glass of wine, bawling my eyes out, wondering what the heck I was thinking, marrying a man with three kids and an ex-wife. Don't get me wrong, I was madly in love, the kids were great, but as a 26-year-old with zero experience in the parenting department, I was in over my head. When I went to the internet for support, I was disappointed with what I found. So I decided to create the type of support that I was looking for. Raw and real conversations about all things motherhood, stepmotherhood, and living a kick-ass life. Life can be hard, really freaking hard, but each week I'll bring you tips and strategies and mindset shifts to help you thrive amongst the tough stuff in life. My goal is to inspire you to live your version of a kick-ass life. We'll bring you along as I create my own. Let's do this. All right. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. I am so pumped that you're here. I am so pumped for this episode. I'm just, honestly, guys, I'm just feeling so good about this podcast lately. Like we are having the best conversations with such phenomenal guests and like, it's just seriously blowing my mind. So if you are an OG listener, thank you for coming back week after week. And if you are new here, welcome. I'm grateful that you're here and I, I'm really hopeful that you're going to find something that resonates with you in these conversations. And you know what? I'm actually pretty sure that you will, because we have been having some pretty valuable conversations lately and you know, I'm a little biased, but I do feel like this podcast just keeps getting better and better. Now I am pumped to share this conversation with you. It is an important one, especially for women. We are diving into friendships and relationships, personal development, and the importance of surrounding yourself with the right kind of people. And as a whole, I don't think that in our society, we give enough weight to the type of people that you surround yourself with. It is so, so important. And whenever we talk about this topic, I think about my dad, because growing up, he always used to say to me, Jamie, birds of a feather flock together. And I used to think that he was so annoying and so lame, but you know, I was hanging out with a group of bad kids and I had this boyfriend and he was not a good guy. And my dad told me that I shouldn't be spending time with him because he was bad news. And actually, when I think about it right now, I'm pretty sure he ended up in jail. So my dad did have a really good point. But when I would talk to my dad about this new crowd that I was hanging out with, I said to him, you know, just because they do bad things and make bad decisions doesn't mean that I am going to do the same. But as time went on, I did start making bad decisions. I did get myself into bad situations. My values were changing. I wasn't showing up in school. Like I wasn't thriving the way that I had been previously. And it was because the crowd that I was hanging out with was rubbing off on me instead of inspiring me. And, you know, I do think that that's one of those lessons that you do need to learn on your own in life. But for sure, the people that you surround yourself have such a huge impact on how you feel and how you show up and what you accomplish and the goals you set for yourself and what you value, like the list goes on. So, you know, I did learn the birds of a feather lesson, you know, through natural consequences quite early in my life. But um, I do think that it's something that a lot of people don't fully understand. Now, I'm also thinking back to when I started this platform, I knew nothing about business, nothing about entrepreneurship, nothing about step parenting, nothing about parenting. Actually, I didn't know anything about really being a grown up when Darren and I got together and, you know, I ended up starting this blog. I had no idea what I was doing. But what I did know is that if I wanted to thrive, I was going to have to get myself in the right rooms and start to connect with people who were like-minded and people who are in similar spaces to me. And I it really taught me that I needed to get deliberate about my relationships and the people that I was surrounding myself with. I wanted to be with people who understood what I was going through and what I was trying to achieve and what I was going through in life. And I'm talking step parenting. I'm talking parenting in my marriage and the business, like all the things. And everything was changing at this point in my life. Like my address was changing. My family was changing. My career was changing. And as a result, my relationship shifted too. And I needed to be okay with that. And I think the key here is that if your relationships in your life are shifting or need to shift, you need to be okay with that. 
Now, since that time in my life, I have been really deliberate about my friendships, which is why this week's guest resonates with me so much. So this week I interviewed Lori Harder. Now, if you are not familiar with Lori, in my mind, she is the definition of a boss babe. She is the host of the top charting podcast, Earn Your Happy. She is the author, an international fitness champion, three times, I believe, a cover girl, lifestyle entrepreneur, speaker, mentor, business coach with multiple seven-figure businesses. She, yeah, like I said, she's a freaking boss babe. And her book, A Tribe Called Bliss, which is about, well, the subtitle is Breakthrough, Superficial Friendships, Create Real Connections, Reach Your Highest Potential. This book is such an important read for all women. Now, I just want to say something, though. This is not a story where life was always easy for Lori. It wasn't easy for Lori. She went from a young girl with anxiety and body image issues in a family with unhealthy habits in a small town with a restrictive religion And then in life, she set out on her own to find her own way. And at times she found herself in situations where she had no idea how she was going to survive. But eventually she started to create the life of her dreams, one decision at a time. And in this episode, we dive into how important her relationships were in this transformation. We talk about friendships, the importance of Marie Condoing your relationships, how to know when a relationship is expired how to get in the right room with the right people. And we also talk about habits and the one thing you need to focus on before you focus on creating habits for lasting change. Like it is the thing before the habits and that's your environment. So there were so many aha moments in this one. And honestly, listen to this episode. And then I want to know what resonates with you. I want to know what sticks. So if something feels super aligned, shoot me a message on social, share it out, tag at Lori Harder, tag at Jamie Scrimger so that we can connect. Because the one thing that I love more than recording these conversations is connecting with you guys afterwards and hearing how these conversations affect you. So let me know what you think. And uh, yeah, let's dive right in. All right, Lori, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to chat with you. Oh, I am. You know, and I was preparing for this interview and I started to get really overwhelmed because <laughs> I have been following you and listening to your podcast and, you know, read your book, all the things. And I was like, there is so much to talk about. I don't know <laughs> where to start because you are, you have so much going on. You are such an inspiration. You are just this go getter. You and, you know, you and your husband are these serial entrepreneurs. And it's like, I have a thousand questions. So <laughs> I did my best to narrow it down, but I just going to dive right into all the things. Now, the first thing I want to talk about, and I think this is I've been really into people's childhood lately and just thinking about Mm -hmm. my own childhood and how it has shaped me into Mm -hmm. who I am. And it's like, you get grateful for the hard stuff, right? And Mm -hmm. when I look back on the struggles I've been through, I'm so grateful for them because they've brought me to where I am now. And, you know, you grew up in a super small town, restrictive religion, you had body image issues, anxiety, like all the things. Mm -hmm. Um, And now here you are and you you are so successful, uh, author, you are a coach, your masterminds, three times fitness world champion. I'm like missing all the things here, but like you were mm-hmm. killing it in life. And how do you think that childhood and all the things that you've gone through helped bring you to where you are now? Oh God. I, I think there's so much about it that, um, you know, I, I can pretty much, I'm in this place right now in life where I can almost trace because I'm an analyzer. Clearly I'm a podcaster. I'm sure you are an analyzer as well. Yeah. It's fun to analyze, go down the rabbit holes. I can kind of trace back, um, to just about, I can trace back the things that I'm doing now to different points in my life and why I'm doing them or how I learned a lesson from this thing that made me want to share it. Um, I definitely have like a, a, a teacher archetype for sure. Um, in me where I, I like to, as I'm, you know, learning the lessons, I'm kind of like, I don't, I feel like I don't take them as hard as I used to, because now I know 
that I have that teacher archetype and I'm like, oh, I can't wait to teach this. I can't wait to share like why <laughs> this hard stuff is so good. Um, you know, and, and if I'm thinking back to my childhood, there are like significant moments that made me create or do certain things. And, you know, I think as, as hard as pain is and as hard as like these moments in different people's lives, and there's a lot of people with a lot more, you know, trauma than I experienced. But I think that those are the, the moments that you just shape you. They just change you into the person that you are now. They're the, the pain is actually like a huge motivator. And that's something that I used early on as I was like, okay, this is painful, but how can I use this to motivate me? And I, I, I started doing things that I didn't realize were actually like things that people do, um, who were successful. I started doing them at like a really young age and I didn't even realize it. So I, I actually share this a lot with people that I would kind of fast forward my life that if I stayed in this particular situation or I kept tolerating this particular thing, or if I kept eating in this particular pattern or drinking all of this alcohol or hanging out with these people, I would be able to fast forward my life. And I'd look down five years and I would amplify the pain. So I would take the reality of the pain. Like my husband is like such a romanticizer and I am like such a, no, let's actually really look at the things that we're talking about and romanticizing. Then let's look at the reality of it. And like, I'm the tangible day to day, like what will this actually look like? So I took those things that I was doing or those habits or those people or those situations. And I was like, if I don't get myself out of this situation, what is it going to look like in five years? And I would let myself sit in that pain and I would actually bring it into like my daily, like kind of walks or I'm, I'm such a visualizer and like a, a, a dreamer that I would bring them into these like thoughts of what is my future going to be like, like always fantasizing about the future is kind of what I'm doing, like trying to build that future. And I was like, if I don't change these certain things. This is going to be like this. This is going to feel like this pain. And I would allow myself to feel that pain so much to the point that I couldn't even take it to make it such a motivator that I had to get out of it because I couldn't, I brought the future pain into my reality to motivate me to get out of that. Oh my gosh, that is so powerful. It's kind of like the compound effect, right? Have you ever read that book, Darren Hardy? No. No. So he talks about how the little things that we do every single day. And when we stay in situations and continue to make those choices over and over again, then that's, that's, we're creating our future every single day. I love it. I like grasped that at a really young age. And it's weird because I, I, I didn't know that it was going to be as impactful as it was. Like I just kind of could see, cause I was watching it all around me. Right. I was watching what, what was happening to my, you know, how my parents were living because of the decisions they made. I was watching my older sister who was four years older, um, because the living the way that she was because of the decisions that she made. And I was like, I don't want to feel the way that they say that they're feeling. So it was just like, Oh God, that is not looking, not looking real bright (laughs) right there. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. It's like, this is not going to be my life. Yeah. This is not how this is. This is not how the story ends. Totally. So you have a book, Tribe Called Bliss. And, mm-hmm. you know, in a lot of your content, you talk about the people who you surround yourself with. Obviously, this is really important. What inspired you to write this book? Because obviously, the people who we surround ourselves with make a huge impact. And you had to switch the people who you were surrounding yourself with mm-hmm. to create the type of life that you have right now. Look, this is, this is like the most important thing you can do. And I know that there are some people right now who are like, what if the people holding me back are my family or my husband? And that was literally, you know, my story. Maybe it wasn't my husband for a long time, but he really, we had a good two year run where it was really, really challenging. He did not, he he wasn't supportive of my goals. He thought I was kind of just wasting money on, you know, competing and things like that. And it was like these moments in life, especially growing up when my environment, you know, your environment is stronger than your willpower and your environment is the people. It's pretty much just the people. And of course it's also like, what do you put in your fridge? And you know, is your house totally trashed right now? Maybe you should work on cleaning that up because that's energy all going into you as well. And so if your environment is stronger than your willpower, how do you make an environment that supports the goal that you want to reach? And that is, that is what you have to look at from day one. If you make a goal, it's not about like, even in the beginning, it's not even about your habits because you're not going to be able to create those habits without an environment that first supports the habit. So I always have people first even look at like, 
what do you need to look at in order to even start giving your habits a home that could be supportive? Because if you're like, hey, I'm going to, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to start running every day. But you haven't dealt with the fact that your mom calls you every morning to maybe complain or say some things that, you know, always make you feel like you don't want to work out after or you're really upset. And you're like, I haven't even thought about how I'm going to deal with not picking up the phone when my mom calls every morning. Right. Like you need to start going, okay, I'm going to tell her, Hey mom, I'm not picking up the phone. When you call me in the morning, that's like my time for running. I'm going to call you. Don't worry. I'll call you when we're done. Like I'm actually not going to answer any calls. Um, or what are you going to do when, you know, have you, have you thought of like childcare for that time during your workout time? Like, what are you going to do if that falls through? Or have you even thought of, of, you know, if you're thinking that you're going to start working out at home, have you made a rock solid plan for if your kids come to interrupt you 37,000 times? Like if you don't have that, then you actually don't even have a supportive place for your habits to go at that time. Or have you said, okay, so I want to start eating better on the weekends, except you know that this friend group that you have is going to like completely hammer you with wanting to go out every single weekend, what are you going to say to them? Have you thought about the conversation when they start to harass you or they start to say, you're no fun anymore? What are you going to do so that you don't break down? Are you going to make friends that actually support, you know, working out so that you're like, sorry, I'm busy. I'm going with this friend. And also so that you have some joy outside of, you just said no to the things you've been doing. Maybe you've been partying like I had in my twenties, you know? And when I started saying no to that, I was like, well, now I have no joy and now I have no friends. So you need to actually make up for that with something that you enjoy. Like what can you do in place of that? That doesn't have to do with food or drinking that you're going to look forward to. And for me in the beginning, maybe it was rewarding myself. Like on Saturday, I would allow myself to go to the mall and pick out a new sports bra, like something super small like that, that you have to start thinking of these things that are going to replace these habits, or you're going to go back to the old habits. And what that has to do with people is you know, growing up, I knew I was just kind of like waiting and I, I love my family, but, and they've got such better habits now, but it was not good for me because they had such bad habits growing up. They did not work out, watched a lot of TV, ate a lot of junk food. You know, they were hard workers, but the reward for the hard work was always like sitting on the couch and eating food. And so for me, it was like, no matter how hard I tried, no matter how much I worked out, no matter what I said to myself that day that I was going to do, no matter what plan that I had, I had a freaking binder with plans and meal guides. At the end of the day, I always, maybe I'd last three or four days and then Thursday or Friday comes and I'd be back on the couch with them eating like, you know, eight pieces of pizza. I wish I was getting, I'm totally not, maybe more than that. Hey, um, judge-free zone. <laughs> yeah, because that's just what we did. And then after that, we would make hot fudge Sundays. And then after that, maybe we'd have another snack. Like this is all, this is how it was. And I couldn't get to where I wanted to go. I couldn't break that habit because my environment, if I wanted to spend time with my family or be in my house, that's what was happening. You can't sit and not eat that stuff when your whole family's eating it over and over. It's like you break down. So I knew right when I turned 18, I'm like, I got to get out of here. Like I have to move out. I have to be able to control my own refrigerator, my own household, what people are saying about who we are. I have to believe that this isn't my genetics or DNA. I have to believe that if I change the way I eat and think and who I'm around, that I can be better. And so that's just slowly what I started realizing. And I've done that with everything. So if I have a goal of, you know, when I had a goal of being an author, guess who I had to start hanging around and making friends with, I had to start reaching out to people. It was really hard. Like who had written books before I had to like have those awkward conversations. Like, can we be friends? Not with so many words, but you know, like with <laughs> like saying it a different way, but trying to figure out how does an adult break into new friend groups so that my new goal and habit can be supported. And, you know, now I'm starting a CPG company, which is consumer packaged goods. And it's like, I'm not running in a group of people who have a lot of their own products. I not, wasn't running in a group of women who knew how to raise money. I wasn't running in a group of uh, women who invested. I wasn't running in a group of women who knew how to bring this to market. So guess who I had to start hanging around. I had to start making friends with women who had sold companies, who had invested, who were investors, who knew about it, who had products. And I have to be in on those conversations or I'm not going to be supported in where I'm going. Cause it's not that I'm not going to be supported. You get plenty of like, I'm so proud of you, but I'm so proud of you. Isn't the advice and, and the actual examples that I need to see in front of me, like, Oh, 
when you launch, this could happen and this is hard and this is how you're going to feel and you're going to want to quit, but this is what you're going to do. Or when that door closes, here's what you need to keep doing. Or, you know, all, all of these different things that you don't think about that most people, when they look at their goals, they're like, well, I failed and I suck and I'm terrible. Well, if the right people were around you, your amount of failure, you would have had the same amount of failure, if not way more, but you would have gotten up faster because you know, it's a part of it. And people around you are like, what? my God, it's a part of it. Don't freak out. Like, let's have a conversation and let's move forward. And that's where people fail is they do not get their environment around them supportive enough to support these things that they're doing. They leap too soon into the habits and then they think they're a failure. Mm -hmm. And so the Tribe Called Bliss is really this Bible, if you will, on how to find those friendships, how to carve out what you want and create that environment. Yes, totally. And, you know, I think the most important part of the book is like, it's not even about like, once you figure that out, because the book will help you figure out how to do that. It's how do you maintain those when conversations are hard? How do you maintain that when you're like most relationships, you're like, well, I don't like that you did this and you should just know that this is not how this should be done. Well, how do they know if that's not how they were raised and that's all that they saw and they've never had somebody confront them about maybe how they're treating you, or maybe you had an expectation that you never, ever actually talked about to them. And they let you down because you never told them that you actually had this expectation of them or that they should just know. So with that, it's kind of like, I think the most important part of relationships is knowing that you can, you know, yes, it's, it's a challenge to get new relationships and the book will help with that. But also how do you keep them? And how do you end them when they're supposed to be done? Like there's a lot of relationships we have in our life that we are not supposed to have long-term. Like they're just for short-term, you know, maybe it's a business transaction. Um, maybe it's a lesson that we needed to learn. And what happens is we keep those relationships past their expiration date. And I believe like nobody's, I, for the most part, I really do believe that nobody's really toxic. I just believe they're not for us after a certain expiration date. Um, and we tend to keep those as long as we can. Cause you know, we, maybe we were raised to like, be nice to everyone and keep them in our lives. And, you know, you feel bad, like writing, not writing someone off, but ending something because it doesn't feel good anymore. And we're supposed to end those, like those are supposed to be, um, not with us anymore so that it can make room for what else is coming. Yeah. And that leads me into my next question, because I was watching this video on YouTube of yours about how we need to Marie Kondo our relationships. Oh, yes. And it's yes. so important. Can you expand a little bit? You've been kind of talking about it, but why do you think it's so important for us to do this? Cause I do feel, especially as women, mm. we feel guilty for not, you know, our high school friends or our college friends or our work friends. And there's all of these relationships that we need to, we feel like we should be maintaining when they're not serving where we're at in our life anymore. And yes, it, it's exhausting. It's exhausting and it leaves oh, us feeling disappointed. Totally. It's it's actually, I think it's like one of the biggest, I think there's so many reasons why we don't create the life that we want because we, we leak our energy on all of these things and opinions that we're worried about, that we're going to, someone's going to talk bad about us, that we're going to hurt someone or, you know, we are, we should, we're not going to speak up because it's a tough conversation and people think we're a bitch or they'll think we're mean or we'll think they'll think we're starting our business for the money. Yeah, you are starting your business for the money. So if they say it, great, you know, um, <laughs> but let's, let's just talk about that for a second. And in terms of what we do with our relationship. So we meet these women, let's just say we meet for the first time. And if I didn't understand now how relationships can fall into categories, you know, I might meet you and be like, okay, Jamie, um, yeah, we're meeting for the first time. And in the back of my head, I have this best friend checklist and I'm really hoping that you check them all. And so far we're having so much fun and oh my God, you know, you're into business. You, you know, you like working out. Okay. Awesome. This is totally what makes for a great friend of mine. But then maybe I get down the list and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, but she's not really an adventurer. Like she doesn't really like to go and like go out and like do these adventure things or I don't really see myself wanting to go on a vacation with her. Like we really talk about work really well, but she's not going to fit in with these other friends that I go on this girl's vacation. Eh, I'm not really sure. Like, you know, it's kind of like, oh, bummer. I'm disappointed. Instead, I have friends that I now know. Okay. 
this girl, you know, Jane, I love, love, love when Jamie and I get together and we're just business friends. So we're going to do more things. Like I'm going to see if she wants to just have a straight up business brainstorming sesh, because I actually don't love talking to her about her personal life. And we don't really talk about that. <laughs> like maybe like her and I just like, we just jam on business. I don't know if you've had friends like that, but we're just kind of like, mm-hmm. we're only interested in any, in each other for business. Um, and it's like, we just want to get together and talk about that stuff where this friend over here is like my adventure friend. She's going to bring me surfing. She's going to bring me to these little towns. I would never go to, to this little cafe. And we're going to try this whole new, like restaurant and have this amazing experience, except she's not my business girl. We're not going to daydream about like becoming on, you know, talking about entrepreneurship and all of these different things. And I used to try to get everybody into the same box and think that everybody needed to be this one thing. I separate my friends now. Like I very well know that there are groups I'm never putting together. (laughs) Like they don't (laughs) need to be best friends. They can all come to the same party. And I don't care if this group is in that corner and this group is in that corner, let them find their people and know that like, they don't all have to meld together and you by no means have to like invite them everywhere and do everything with them. Like, I think when you get to that level of freedom for yourself, when you can start letting yourself off the hook, you also attract people who don't care if they were invited to your birthday or not, because you, you know, talk to them more about business than anything else, you know? And it's Mm -hmm. a, it's a weird, it's a weird journey because you feel bad along the way, but the amount of freedom that you experience, and then those people, honestly, my business friend may not even want to come to my party because they're like, uh, that's great. I'm not really into that. You know, like, so it's kind of like you attract and find these people who also are in that same wavelength of like, come on, I, I know where we fit. I know where we fall, you know? Alrighty guys, as we talk about the importance of creating meaningful relationships and surrounding yourself with like-minded, inspiring people, I want to pop in and remind you that enrollment for my membership, the exclusive stepmom community is open for the next week. As this membership grows, it's so important to me to keep that exclusive feeling and be able to create those real meaningful relationships with the stepmoms who are seeking support. And that's why we've decided to only open enrollment a couple times a year moving forward. Now, if you're not familiar, members of the exclusive Stepmom community get access to tell-all unfiltered podcast episodes that I don't share anywhere else, monthly live Q&As, interviews with all the best experts in the Step Family space, a copy of my monthly online magazine, access to a private forum off social media where you can ask me for support and connect with women from all over the world and much more. It's only $11.99 a month too. And I get asked regularly why I offer it for so cheap. And here's the deal. I don't want you to feel like this is something you need to be in on a regular basis. In fact, when step family life is good, I want you to live and go on with your life with the reassurance that you have a space to go to when you feel overwhelmed, need advice, and want to connect with a group of women who get it. It was important to me to make this space be affordable and accessible for stepmoms who want to improve relationships, get on the same page as their partner, stop feeling so overwhelmed and find a way to manage the extra stress that can come with co-parenting with the ex. You can get all the information at www.jamiescrimshire.com forward slash membership. Love to have you join, and I cannot wait to connect with you in the forum. When you're trying to create these friendships and you think that your friendship should look a certain way as you grow older, it's like, no. No, this isn't working. And, you know, I find there's nothing worse than leaving a interaction with your friends or, you know, going out for dinner. And I've started to really pay attention to how I feel when I leave that conversation or I leave that party. If I feel drained, if I feel exhausted, that's a hint that this isn't working. This isn't the type of friendship that I need. And it's yeah, I'm feeling leaky. So you talk about expired friendships. What Mm -hmm. is the, obviously that is a big example of, you know, you need to start thinking about reevaluating that friendship or rearranging that friendship. But what would you say is an expired friendship? What is the Mm -hmm. indication that you need to be like, you know what? Should we be? Yeah. 
Yeah, this is interesting because there's two things that you need to look at when you're when you're thinking about this, because there there truly is expired friendships. And then there's also friendships that you are coming into and showing up in a certain way that's making them feel like they're expired when they're not. So I was doing this in one relationship. So I'll talk about that first. So I thought I had a relationship that I was like, oh, this is not an equal energy exchange. Like I'm feeling really drained. She never asks about me. She's not interested. And then I realized I was in a place in my life and it took an outside party to tell me this. I had to like really break down this relationship. And I was like, she was like, okay, well, how do you show up to it? You know, like really think, does she ask you how you are? And so I'm like, I mean, yeah, she asks, but it's like so brief. Then we just talk about her the whole time. And I feel like she owes me money for counseling. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I feel like I should be charging money to like sit and listen or like teach or counsel or be, be a life coach. I'm sure you've had lots of those people, you know, especially if you love to do what you do. And so I had a moment where I realized she asks how I am like, Hey, Jamie, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? What's going on with X, Y, and Z? So right away, I would just say, I'm fine. I wouldn't open up. I wouldn't get vulnerable. I wouldn't feel necessarily like talking about my stuff. And I wouldn't necessarily believe that I wanted to share things with her because that also felt like a lot of energy to me. Like I didn't love at that time in my life, like, like talking about my stuff. Like, you know what I mean? I didn't want to share my problems. I just really wasn't interested. I kind of wanted to skip over them and sweep them under the rug. Or I also just didn't, it's like, it felt very vulnerable. And I had a belief that if I can't add value to people that I was not valuable. So every relationship that I was coming in, I felt like I had to add a lot of value to feel valuable But what's what's happening is that I was never actually deeply connecting. I was never allowing a real connection with this person because I was never opening up and being vulnerable. So the next couple of times, once I realized, oh my God, I actually never share anything about myself. She gives me a small window and I don't share about myself. And even if she didn't give that window, I'm not, I'm not like stepping up and saying something like, there's a couple of things I write in my book about this. Um, that I'll say real quick, like for, for me, for this relationship, it didn't feel like I necessarily wanted to throw it away yet. Um, but I was getting resentful. That's how it was feeling. I was just starting to feel really resentful. And I'm like, I don't really know if we have things to talk about anymore. Cause this is what's happening. So I was like, okay, I want to give this a shot. So what ended up happening is when she would ask me, I'd be like, actually tell her what's going on in my life. Like maybe some challenging things or let's celebrate the wins or tell her a story. And then I realized, oh my gosh, she's very like interested. And the conversation was starting to feel a little more equal. And then there were times when maybe I would feel like I didn't get enough of a window to share. And I put this in my book as like, we have to have these scripts ready for when these moments happen. And I would say things like, Hey, I noticed that like, sometimes when we're talking, I'm the person that always wants to help and add value, but I've been feeling a little disconnected in my relationships because I'm not like giving my space to share what's going on with me. And that's like how I connect with you. And I really need someone to hold me accountable to share because I typically don't in the relationship. And then I end up leaving not super connected, or I feel like I I'm not talking about the things I need to talk about in my life. And I would love to use you as a sounding board. Like, would you hold me accountable to making sure that I open up during these conversations? And I'll tell you that girl's like in my life and we're very close. So that was huge. And then there's the relationships that, and and see, I would have written that off in the beginning if I wouldn't have realized, oh, it's how I'm showing up. It's because I'm not willing to be vulnerable and connect this deeply. It's because that feels exhausting to me to have to share about myself because I'm so used to not doing it. Um, That it, it feels like I almost was like even having to like dig for something either wrong or something that was going right. And now I'm so glad because now it's like, I'm acknowledging also my life. I feel more, I feel more connected and grateful in my life because I'm acknowledging my life and things that I'm doing more out loud to people. And there's just more to talk about that way as well. Um, And I'm also getting a lot more connections that way because that's also how people are like, Oh, you're doing that. Thanks for sharing that. I have a friend who's doing that. I'll connect you guys. Like, you guys don't understand the power of how important it is to share. I also write about oversharers in my book though. So if you're one of those, you might need to read that as well. <laughs> <laughs> There's a fine line. 
There's a fine, there's a fine line. Um, so let's go back to the toxic thing. I just wanted to say that first, because I think that sometimes when we're new in this like whole world of navigating these relationships and realizing like, holy shit, it might be me, um, that that can happen. I don't want you to throw away relationships that might feel that way right now. Okay. So toxic relationships, you'll find they're not asking about you. You do not feel energized. You're finding that you are just doing this thing to not, you're just going to this dinner again to like appease them and not disappoint them and like hope that they'll like be okay with you for a little while. Like you're buying time with them, um, to just like, you know, like they asked you like four Wednesdays in a row and you're like, fine, I'll go. I will tell you, if you go that Wednesday, they're going to ask you the next Wednesday and then the next Wednesday and the next Wednesday. And I have this like theory of, of some of those people, like you'll never be enough for who you're not already enough for. So if you have people who are saying things to you, like, you're, you know, I never see you. I feel like I just, it's like, we never hang out anymore and you're not feeling that way. You're kind of like, oh my God, this is starting to get really exhausting. You're in a place where it will never be enough. And if it's a friend who's like, oh, I really miss you. And you're like, yeah, you know what? I really want to make this a relationship a priority in my life. That's totally different. But if you're just like, man, if this chick asked me one more time, like I cannot keep this up. I'm exhausted. I'm not enjoying this anymore. <laughs> Like it's time. It is time to just have a conversation or, I mean, you can always just be like, Hey, at this point in my life, I am just not able to do what I used to do. Like at, at right now, what I'm doing is if I want to see friends, I'm putting together one dinner a month or one dinner every other month. And I understand if this isn't enough for you, but this is all that I can give you right now. I think you're amazing, but this is the only time that I have. So that's mm -hmm. not easy. They may think you're a total bitch who is selfish and they may like <laughs> show that email to their friends and forward it to people and be like, this is so rude. But my God, the freedom that you're going to get on the other side of that, um, especially if you were feeling that way, resentful and all of the things like I've had lots of friendships that that just fizzle. And sometimes I just let them fizzle. And sometimes I've had to write the emails or, or write the texts and things like that because I just... I can't do it. Like I literally cannot do it. It's it, you, you really are choosing between, you know, your family and the relationships that matter to you and your life stream. And I think we forget that that's what we're choosing. It's not oh just gosh, like, oh, I'm is... choosing to go out on Wednesday. You're choosing your dream or not. Oh my gosh. That is really powerful. And you know what I keep thinking about is we, we assume that relationships are just common sense and they're just supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. And we assume it's actually very true in our ma marriages or your partnerships too, that your partner or your friend knows what you need and what you expect yeah. from them or what you need from that relationship. But what I'm hearing is that it's, you know, you need to communicate that kind of stuff. Like it needs to be out in the open because there's really no such thing as common sense, right? And you can be wanting two very different things from your friendship and then left feeling offended and empty and disappointed. Oh my God. Like, even as you're talking, like, I, I think there's a, a quote called, it's like common sense isn't very common. And I, you know, if you and I both wrote our definition of like what common sense was, it, it would be completely different. Like we would have a lot, I'm sure we'd have a lot of the same things, but there'd be things that I'd be like, that's not actually like, I, that's not common to me. That's actually a really new thought. I've never thought of it that way. You know, it's common sense isn't common knowledge. And it, just talking about like the different things that we would think are common sense, potentially to someone else grew up a completely different way that they'd be like, wait, I had no idea that that's what people expected. You know, I feel like I learn new things like that all the time, especially moving to, to different cities. I'm just like, interesting. That's what people do here. Huh? Oh, I had no idea. That's what locals did or what they, what they thought or whatever. Um, so it's like when my husband and I first started working together, um, we had to learn a whole new language and what he thought was common sense, you know, in, in his business world, I had no idea about, I had never been in the numbers. I had never been, you know, on large teams. And it was like, we had to learn an entirely new language and we had to talk to each other about what our, how we felt, what our expectations were. Um, you know, how, when you say this, it makes me feel this way. And this is how I would much better be communicated with. And we think that's just marriage, but it's literally our friendships and women are so like, well, she should have known. And we just write them off. Right. It's like, I don't know how many times, like I've literally been ghosted by women and I'm like, I'm so confused what just happened. And I'm like, I would love to go back and figure out what the hell happened, but some of them won't even talk to me. So, like, <laughs> all, right. all right. So we're going nowhere. And I see that this actually, 
isn't a thing for you. So we're moving on. So, and those are the ones that also, that's a whole other thing, like making peace with the things you'll never actually, that will never end the relationships that will never end in the way that you want. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I I give all of these different steps and advice in my book, and none of it is saying that you're going to have a happy ending, but it will say that you have um, freedom and that you will gain a lot of people who get you and understand you, that you can create these relationships based upon these um, foundational pillars that actually work. Um, Mm -hmm. It's hard to kind of go in and, and renovate and fix a lot of the relationships we already have set up. Uh, it's a lot of tough conversations. It, they, it can be done. I absolutely did it, but there's going to be a lot that might just end in ways that you don't, that are really not great, you know? And that's okay and they, though. Yes. That's okay. I have some still to this day. I have one in particular that just did not end the way I, I love. And I've had to make peace around it and pray around it and let it be okay that I think she hates my guts and that's all right. <laughs> so, you know, when we talk about personal development and you've definitely been in this situation, I've found myself in this situation, you're growing and your priorities are changing and you're, you know, entrepreneurship, you're growing a business and you find yourself. And we're, we obviously talked about this earlier in a situation where the friends that you had aren't meeting those needs anymore. And mm-hmm. you are trying to, you you want to have these friendships that support you in these new dreams and get in the right rooms and surround yourself with the right people. And it sounds really easy to say, well, you got to be in the right room. You have to network, you know, create new friends who are in that space. But what if you're like, I don't know where the hell to start, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know how to go make those new friends who are also really about personal development and growing. What's your advice Mm -hmm. for someone who is craving those next level, more meaningful friendships in their life, but aren't quite sure where to go. Yeah, this is so great. And you know, it's interesting because I I love sharing this, that in the beginning, I really bought my friends, whether it was through memberships, coaches, masterminds, um, events, women's events, um, you know, and it's, it's so true. Like you, and, and I did that because I knew that then there would be people who also, spent money that were serious. I wanted serious people. I didn't want to just go into a Facebook group that someone threw together to find people who weren't that committed. So I actually, in the beginning, went to a few trainings that really, like I spent a lot of money on to go in the, that I did not have at the time, by the way, you guys, like full faith, like I wanted to be a coach. I wanted to meet people who were like in more of in a spiritual community, more in like the speaking world. I wanted to hang out with those people because that's where I wanted to go. Um, and the fastest way to go there is to hang out with those people, right? The fastest way to become that person is to like, let your environment mold you and hang around those people. So for me, I, I went to this coaching program that was in person and I just met so many people there that opened so many doors for me. Um, you know, cause I spent three weeks with them, like a coaching program through that. And, and I, it was like, I met tons of friends there. I made myself, you know, where I normally want to go up to my room and be introverted. That's totally me. I'm totally the person that will go up to my room after those events. And I was like, you better stay down there. Like you're going to stay down there until you make friends. Cause you know, this is the key. And every night I would force myself to go to the dinners every night. I'd force myself to sit at these different tables and you end up just naturally making friends. Cause you guys are wanting to talk about the same thing. So you end up talking about what you learned that day or you talk about why you want to do the thing. And it's like you you start going like, wow, these conversations are so much more fun than a lot of the conversations I'm having in my life. And so then you meet even more people, you, you know, maybe go to more events. Um, and if you can't do that, there's a lot of online stuff where you're in a specific community for different things that friendships will naturally happen if you make sure to set the intention that you are going to make friends, which means, you know, I went to this um, event in LA probably about six years ago and um, it was called awe um, amazing women entrepreneurs. And I was like, okay, I want to go meet more entrepreneurs. Where do you go? I went to this event and I was like, I know better than anyone that if I don't set the intention of meeting people or the number of people that I want to meet, that I'm going to leave this thing and it's going to just have been another event. I've done that multiple times. I get in my car and I'm like, okay, I learned some stuff, but I didn't connect. And there's going to be a lot of people. I'm telling you, I see it at my bliss project every single year who go and they're like, I didn't connect. I felt like I was left out. And I'm like, you stood in the corner and you didn't participate. You didn't set the intention of meeting someone. You went out in the hallway. I saw you out in the hallway at the end of the hallway. 
texting different people and looking on social media and you are waiting for someone to come up to you. It's not going to work. You guys, you have to get off the bench and participate. I know you're nervous. I know you're having panic attacks. We all do like, you're not that special. Like you literally, we're all in the same boat. We're all freaked out. It's all weird. It's all real messed up, but you've got to force yourself out of you're like feeling sorry for yourself bubble and taking yourself out. You're taking yourself out of the game. And so when I had those moments of just like tough love to myself, like stop taking yourself out of the game. Like you're worth this. You know that you have something to offer. Go in there and just listen. Like I think the problem when people sit on the sidelines is because they think they have to be saying something smarter than everyone. And it's not the case. You have to have a couple great questions and you have to be the best listener and you have to let it be okay to have awkward silences and to stumble through and even say weird stuff like I'm having trouble thinking of what to ask you next. What should I ask you next? Like I've said (laughs) shit like that. Like, what should I ask you next? Like, what should I know about you? What's interesting? Like, what are you loving right now? Let yourself be a weirdo and fumble and show up awkward and tell people I've always said, like, I still go to events. It's funny. I literally just went to like a small gathering and I'm like, I'm so awkward at the beginning of these things. Like I just, I really struggle. And the girl was like, me too. Like This is this is crazy. That's like, so you me. know, then we talked about that. And then we talked all about all of our weird anxiety at social events. And it was amazing. Um, and I think that's what's happening is we're just putting so much on us to think that we need to look perfect or be so smart. And it's like, just go join and be yourself. And that has been my magic. Like it's, it's my secret sauce, like to being approachable, to building audience, to having friendships. And, and I think that's just the important thing to remember is like, it's going to be weird and you're just going to sit in it and that's going to be super transformative and powerful. Oh my gosh. I love that. And I know we're running out of time. So I want to ask you, there was one thing that came up in a, another video that you did. And you said, we have anxiety and stress around the things we have no boundaries around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that's loaded. You're like, yeah, that's a loaded question for the last question, Jamie. <laughs> but can you just give us a little bit of something on that? Because when I heard you say that, I was like, whoa, yes. Okay. Yes. And I'm really working on my own boundaries right now and kind of reevaluating what's working and what's not. And I'm a super anxious person. And it is mm. so crazy because the more clear I get on my boundaries and showing up for myself and not self-sacrificing, my anxiety is just going down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's so good. So that I, same, same to all the things you just said. Um, and I learned that boundaries are just a beautiful way to manage anxiety and, and resentment, you know? And I think that resentment and anxiety are kind of like their besties on the playground for sure. Um, they definitely hang out together a lot. Um, so I, you know, when I was, when I really was writing a lot about boundaries, it was like, um, Danielle Laporte says, everything is on your plate because everything that you, you know, that's on your plate right now is there because you said yes to it. Everything that's on your plate right now is there because you said yes to it. And I just had this moment of like, you know, cause I was like, I'm so overwhelmed and this person's stressing me out and I'm supposed to speak here and they want me to do this. And, and this person's asking me to go over here and, oh my God, I'm let like just all of the things that I looked at in my life that I was letting happen because I wasn't saying no. And I was tolerating certain relationships because I didn't want to have the hard conversations. That's a boundary. Your time is a boundary. Um, you know, the way that you, maybe your team is showing up and working, maybe you don't like the way this person is working and they're doing a certain thing. And you have like, you haven't set those rules in place. You haven't talked to them about it. You haven't set a boundary about maybe how you, um, how they're showing up in your life. Um, it's so important to really analyze our lives and be like, where am I feeling anxiety and resentment? Like Jamie, right now, where are you feeling anxiety in your life? All of the work that I have to do <laughs> right ah. now. I feel in my business, I feel like running this platform is so such a blessing and I'm so grateful for it, but I am, I need to do a bit of an audit because it's not giving me the freedom that I thought I would have. And I know that's mm-hmm. not always the case, but I'm just feeling like I'm constantly spinning my tires. Are there certain things that you are like saying yes to right now that you feel like you feel like you need, but maybe you could question them and see if you actually need it. 
Oh yeah. 100%. It's literally on my <laughs> list of things to do this weekend. It's like go through and audit your life. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes boundaries, you guys are not boundaries with other people. They're boundaries with yourself. Like they're yeah. literally like, you don't get to say yes to that anymore. And you actually don't get to do that thing. You have to delegate that and you have to find somebody for that because that is crushing you. And it's taking all of your energy when all of your energy should be applied to the needle moving things that actually make the money, you know, or bring in the leads because the leads make the money. And so those are huge things that I've had to ask with like just boundaries within myself. There are some things that I was doing and, and was saying yes to because I wanted the accolades for them. And, but they weren't my zone of genius. Like when we were in network marketing, I was like, I'm a terrible one-on-one -on -one coach. Terrible. Like I hate it. I resent it. I leak energy. Like I can do it for a little bit, but it's not where I'm, my time is best spent. And I was like, you don't, get to do that anymore because just because you want, you know, to stand on stage and be like, yes, I brought them in and I coach them. Like give that to your husband. He's the coach and let it be okay that he's on stage for all of those things. And mm -hmm. that was a crazy thing for me to realize like, wow, that's actually a boundary within myself that I have to say no to. Essentially boundaries are things you have to create a line in the sand, things you have to say it's no like to why do I feel like I should be doing that? Like what yep. about my story is making me feel like that's a should and like what's motivating yep. that? So totally. good. So helpful. Lori, you are amazing. You have tons of stuff going on right now. You have a new drink on the market, which I am so excited to try. It's, I don't think it's available in Canada. No, it's not. But maybe, maybe in a couple of years it will be. We'll see. Yeah. Well, most of my following is from the States anyway. So that is perfect. So give us a lowdown. <laughs> what do you got going on? Um, so it is called light pink. It's a, uh, rosé flavored, um, wine seltzer and it has a give back component to women. It's fully female funded. It is like so freaking delicious. That's the most important thing. Um, and it is all about, um, connecting, collaborating and celebrating. It has questions on the back of the can because we are elevating the experience of drinking. And instead of leaving just kind of what we were talking about, like, I don't ever want people to leave that experience of having a cocktail with their friend, which can be so magical and special or a new person. If you ask the right question. So it's kind of like blame the can just ask all of these deeper questions that are on the can see what opens up and hopefully more cans will open up um and then it really is just like i looked at the market and i felt that there was a bit of a white space with like they're doing seltzers but they're beer, they're malt based they're like beer based and i was like what about the wine drinkers and i also don't resonate with these brands like I don't see something that just like screams at me on the shelf like a lifestyle brand like this is you are probably a woman who wants to spend a little money on what she's drinking. Not a lot, but maybe just a little bit more because you want something that's more quality. You want more quality ingredients. You want beautiful branding that makes you feel a certain way when you drink it and when you hold it. Like you want to know where your money is going if you're having cocktails. Like, you know, those are things we, we're thinking about and other things we're thinking about it with our clothes, with our beauty, all of our cosmetics and things like that. But we're not really, we buy a bottle of wine, we're like, cute. Great. It's Rosé. Awesome. And then we're like, where, who, who owns this brand? Like, is there a give back component? Where's this money going? Oh my God. Like all of the things. So I wanted to incorporate that into that space. That is so good. You know what? As soon as these borders open up, I am going to be getting <laughs> next time I go to the States, I am going to find myself a can or four. Uh, thank you so much, Lori. Where can everyone find you? Um, right now I'm pretty much doing everything over on light pink at drink light pink on Instagram, lightpink.com, and then lauriharder.com for different books and things like that. Amazing. And you also have a podcast, which I'll link and, um, you know, what? I'm going to link all the things, your mastermind information, all the stuff, because oh, you're you truly, you truly are doing all the things. You're such an inspiration and you and, um, you and your husband, I swear your podcast episodes together are so <laughs> funny. They remind me of my husband and I, when we get oh, behind the mic. That. So, <laughs> so good. So thank you so much for taking the time and, um, yeah. Oh, thank, thank you, so you for having me and congratulations on everything that you're doing. Thank you, Lori. Okay, guys, if you like this podcast, please do me a little favor. Take a second and subscribe on iTunes and then screenshot this podcast. Give it a share in social media and tell your friends what you think. And hey, don't forget to tag me so that I can thank you for helping me spread the word. Thanks so much. And I will talk to you next week.